Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're talking about chair. Brackets, sculpture. <laughs> oh, yeah. the lesser known singer from the 80s. Okay. Yeah. I genuinely thought that we were going to be talking about chair for a second. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. So we're talking about chair, C H A I R. Uh, also known as the big chair. Oh, so I, I assumed that this was going to be a category of sculpture, but this is a specific mm. sculpture. This is a specific sculpture. Right. So, what is? Well, tell me about this sculpture. Well, is it actually a chair? It is actually a chair. Chair is a public artwork designed uh, as an advertisement by Bassett Furniture, uh, located at the intersection of Martin Luther King Avenue and V Street. Uh, in the Anacostia neighborhood of Washington, D.C., United States of America. Chair was originally surveyed as part of the Smithsonian's Save Outdoor Sculpture Survey in 1994. It was once considered the world's largest chair, but has since been overtaken by works like Broken Chair in Geneva and, tem- and the temporary The Writer on Hampstead Heath in London. It's basically a massive f***ing chair uh, <laughs> sitting on the corner of this street. Art. Um, yes, yeah. It's... Uh, the dimensions are, it's nearly 600 centimetres by 400 centimetres. So six metres by four metres. Yeah, for some reason they've given it in centimetres inches. The chair, which stands at nine and a half feet high, uh, 19 and a half feet high, is a detail-to-detail replica of Duncan Fife, uh, of a Duncan Fife-style chair, painted brown with a white and brown stripped cushion. The chair is entirely made of aluminium. Weighing between 4,000 and 4,600 pounds, the chair sits on a concrete base. So it's got, is the cushion metal or is the cushion a real cushion? The cushion is painted to look like a cushion, Ah, but it's it's made of aluminium. So it's not a practical type throne for a giant creature. It's actually, sadly not. It would be very uncomfortable. What also makes it even sadder is they've spelled aluminium wrong. Aluminium. Mm, aluminum there is the story behind that isn't there that when they when they convened it's like a brady haran story um that when they convened to name the new elements they, there was like a trade-off america agreed to call aluminium aluminium but we in return would have to call sulfur sulfur with an f mm. in the internationally agreed and then they went back and they still kept calling it aluminum rather than aluminium because that's how deals work apparently that's uh, insane. according to trump anyway so oh okay is there anything else presumably if it's got its own wikipedia article it's like quite a significant chair like quite a significant sculpture it's got a fairly i would say it's got like a it's got a small wikipedia page it's not one of those pages that you literally like you look up like the yellow flower and then you read the information and above the contents it's like this is a yellow flower and in the contents the first subject heading is yellow flower and in that is yellow flower and that's the end of the wikipedia article (laughs) this one's got quite a few we've got description acquisition rededication um community reception uh, references um so it's fairly i mean i I think it's fairly well known apparently it was rededicated to john kidwell well no hang on John Kidwell, the caretaker of the chair, which might be the most underwhelming title ever, <laughs> uh, frequently patched holes that would form after heavy rains with cement. During the days of August 23rd uh, to 24th, 2005, the original chair was disassembled by a backhoe. Uh, and a, taken by a away what? For rest. Sorry? A, a backhoe. A backhoe. A mechanical excavator which draws towards itself a bucket attached to a hinged broom. So a digger. It's a digger. I'm sorry, who has ever called a digger a backhoe? I don't know. That sounds like a side chick. That's weird. Made entirely of Honduras mahogany, the legs uh, had begun to rot. On April 25th, 2006, the chair was returned 
uh, and this one was now made of, uh, of aluminium. So previously, the other one was actually made of, of, of kind of perishable materials, I suppose. Right. So, so qu- wood, and, wood and leather and things. To quote our great friend Lily, what's the fucking point? I don't have no idea. What's, what is the fucking <laughs> point? The new chair cost over $40,000 to build. What? What? Upon its delivery by flatbed truck, overpasses had to be avoided due to the size of the chair. So you're driving along the like the freeway or something, you look over and there's a fuck off giant throne just being transported next to you on, on a flatbed truck. Wow, okay. That, that sounds like a... I mean, I'll be honest, I don't... I can obviously, I get the point of sculpture. Hang on, hang on. Oh, it gets weirder. Go. It gets so much weirder. So there's another subheading here uh, titled Looking Glass House. Uh, it goes on to say, on August 13th, 1960, Rebecca Kirby, also known as Lynn Arnold, moved onto the chair. A 10 by 10 foot cubicle was built and placed on the seat, furnished with a shower, bed, toilet, heater, air conditioner and balcony, placed upon the chair by the way of a forklift. Kirby lived in the chair for 42 days. In the cubicle, she'd watch TV, read books and talk on the telephone, as well as dine uh, as her meals were delivered every day. Kirby would step outside the balcony every few hours to greet visitors who learned about her living situation due to, new pa- due to newspapers advertising her as Alice in the Looking Glass House. <laughs> visitors would be encouraged to guess how long she'd maintain her residency. Then her 14-month-old son, Richard, visited often being placed in a dumbwaiter and being sent up to see her. What the f- What the actual f*** is happening? Her, her then 14-month-old son, Richard, visited often being placed in a dumbwaiter and being sent up to see her. After 42 days, Kirby decided to return to Earth, that's a direct <laughs> quote, earning $1,500 for her stay. What? From who? I've no idea. What? The- that is so... I, I, I have so many questions. So she had a baby son and she like... Was this like postnatal depression? She was just like, F- it, I'm off. I'm going to go live in a giant chair. I've no idea. Wow. It was like the lighthouse keeper's wife. You know, like ferrying the sandwiches up in a in a basket, except it's it's a baby. I just wonder whether it was. And this was in 1960. That's just bizarre. That I I mean I, I don't get sculpture at the best of time, right? Like I can understand. Like <sighs> classical sculpture looks great. Like a, mm. a lot of a lot of sculpture looks fantastic, but stuff like this on its own, just a giant abstract chair. I'm like, all right, yeah, I guess. But, like, I don't really see the point. Equally, choosing to live on the f***ing chair. That's bizarre. Have you ever lived in a giant item of furniture? Like an old woman in a shoe? Uh, no, certainly not. I, w- I wish I had, otherwise I could maybe... I could sympathise with uh, Rebecca Kirby. But, um... Wow, what a weird... When you didn't think it could get any weirder. What a story, Mark. That, I mean... I, I was... I, I didn't really have high hopes from this article from the sounds of things. Oh, hang on. The chair is often used as a, ge- a geographic marker for direction giving and holiday celebration. Santa Claus sits upon the chair during Christmas. Of course. Is it a giant Santa Claus? Or is it a regular sized person? I've no idea. When the chair was reinstalled in 2006, community members surrounded the giant clapping, the giant clapping, yelling and photographing the new chair. Oh, so I think it is a giant Santa. Oh my God. Otherwise it's like a little Stuart Little Santa. The best part on, of this this thoroughly f***ing fever dreamy Wikipedia article <laughs> is it tries to end on a poignant note and goes on to say during the 1968 Washington DC riots the chair was one of the only um, was an, was one of the few landmarks to go unscathed in a neighborhood heavily affected by Martin Luther King Jr's death. 
Well, that's because nobody could reach the top of the chair, probably. Yeah, that's because nobody gave a shit, probably. They're like, it's a giant chair, just leave it be. Just leave it, just leave it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, mate. <laughs> it's just so strange. So we also had mention of the broken chair in Geneva. Right. Which basically looks exactly the same, except one of the legs is broken. Ooh, edgy. It's, oh, it's way bigger, though. It's 39 feet high. Uh, so that's that's twelve what, meters. Twelve meters. That's that's like so the 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 width of a swimming pool. Tall. And it's made of wood. Oh, so five point five tons of wood. Bloody hell! Why? What's the point? I know I sound well, like a luddite, but what's apparent, the point? Apparently, it's it stands across the street from the Palace of Nations in Geneva. It symbolizes uh, opposition to landmines and cluster bombs, and acts as a reminder to politicians and others visiting Geneva. What to not take this stuff sitting down? Well, yeah, what's the what's the symbolism? <laughs> well, the one of the legs of the chair's blown off, and so like oh, a chair is uh, like okay. a symbol of stability. But then, much the, like with the United Nations, if if they, you know if they don't think things through and they make rash decisions and they do stuff that involves landmines and cluster bombs, you might blow chairs. your leg off a chair or yeah. the leg off a small child. Well, why would you, you not know? make a statue of a giant person missing a leg? Or is that just too technically difficult? I don't know. It might be too obvious. Oh yeah, because because the. Oh, oh, what is it with people? I don't know. Possibly I've just had a spate of of idiotic comments on my chat. Oh, ugh. people, man. What is it with people? No idea. They're idiots. I mean, like, so for context, I just released the video about how to suck at maths, which is mm. very clearly uh, a reverse psychology. Like, mm. nobody... I, I made that thinking nobody could ever possibly mistake this as, like, a legit video. Boy, was I wrong! Yeah. I've had so many comments of people being like, this seems pointless, why would anyone want to suck at maths? Or, like, I'm not sure if this is satire or not. And it's like, how, how stupid do you have to be? Like, how do you function in the world? YouTube stupid. People are stupid. Like, oh my god... Well, actually, no, 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 no. It's the quote from um, Men in Black, right? People... Mm are stupid an individual person in theory is very clever except youtube comments are written by individual people and they're stupid uh like oh not everyone of course but like there's just been several recently like also this guy um who commented today saying first of all you only go to university if you're too stupid to come up with something marketable on your own education is for idiots Mm. god i'd never thought of it that way before Possibly because I'm not a fucking brain donor. This is just insane. <sighs> well, here we go. Big chairs. We can safely, we can all agree. Chairs, massive, everyone. It's a colossal waste of time. We're not going to take this one lying down because we no. can sit in the chair. Because we can sit in the chair. Sit. So, sit I in the just, chair. I just want to see if there's anything interesting about Bassett furniture, which is why the <laughs> chair's there in the first place. And I can confirm uh, exclusively it's uh, Dollar Sin. <laughs> it's got a paragraph that doesn't the Wikipedia page doesn't even have a contents. Um It was just a furniture store. It's a big yeah, it's a very, very big furniture store. They employ two thousand six hundred and eighteen people. It's quite big, yeah. Yeah. Their revenue last year was four hundred and fifty two point five million US dollars. I I I'll be honest, I wasn't listening because I just didn't care. <laughs> yeah. It was founded in nineteen oh two, so it's not even like a massively old one. It's just a bit sh- because I did listen to um, a really interesting podcast, the 99% Invisible um, mm. podcast, about um, architecture and talking about um, 
there are two types of buildings basically you get like sh- sheds with signs and you get big ducks and like the shed with a sign is just a, 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 a the building that could hold anything it just has a sign that indicates what mm. you know is inside like like every pc world or something like that whereas like um or like um I don't know most McDonald's, whereas a, a rubber duck, a giant duck, is the building looks like what uh, the service provided inside or the, the the purpose of the building inside is. So, for yeah. the, the the example is there was like a rubber duck company, I think it was, and they had this giant building in the shape of a duck. Um, whereas, like this, is like oh, we're we're a, we're a furniture company, so you know, let's not make the building that well furniture is going to be made in it like a chair because that'd be ridiculous where would we put everything but mm. making a giant chair well that's that's just perfect sense see if you want to kind of take something a topic that might not be immediately interesting and turn it into something inherently interesting um there's a really excellent like documentary series on netflix called abstract the art of design yeah you've told me about this before actually. it's really good it's really really good um hang on let me see if i can abstract the art of design um here we go so they feature episodes uh we have an episode on christoph nealman who's an illustrator right uh tinker hatfield who's the famous shoe designer and kind of came up with well, helped develop um nike uh as devlin stage design which was that was super interesting bjark engels architecture uh uh ralph giles automotive design uh, Paula Scher, graphic design, uh, Platon, photography, and uh, Al Crawford, interior design. I have watched all of them, and it's really, really worth it. Cause it's th- very, was... very well shot, too. In my head, it's in the same part of Netflix as the uh, Chef's Table. Yes, uh... I've also watched all of those. They're really good. Yeah, like, I need to I need to up my Netflix game, actually. I just found a, a series the other day which was about toys. And about like oh, these, yeah, yeah, yeah. the stories behind toy empires, because because I just finished um, Wild Wild Country, the toys that made us. Yeah, that that's one? the one. The toys that yeah. made us. But yeah, I just finished Wild Wild Country, and I was like, I really need to make more of this Netflix subscription because I'm paying for myself, Pixel Girl, and my mum. And yeah. mum doesn't know how to use Netflix, but she's getting a tablet, so she will actually soon be able to use the Chromecast that we have. Very um, exciting. And, you know, Pixel Go uses it a lot, I think. Whereas I barely use it because I barely take any time off. But yeah. I, I feel like I should dedicate myself to a couple of series. Because I enjoyed Wild Wild Country. I did think it was yeah. good. I feel like I did feel like it was a little bit underwhelming. Like, maybe I just went in with too high expectations. Did you um, watch the entirety of it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, it's, it's a crazy it's, story. It, it really is. Exactly. Is. That's the best part about it. You can, you'll listen to this and you're like, how have I never heard of this before? Because it was just insane. Yeah, they nearly took over an entire state. Yeah, and the poisoning. Yeah, they 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 poisoned, um, you know, like an entire town by blending beavers. Yeah, allegedly that one. Allegedly, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, we talked about this before, but this is um, this is this cult that established in America, right? It was it was a quote unquote sex cult. Yeah, it's so it started off in in uh, in India, and then they they fled India in fear of kind of prosecution and the uh they're kind of the guru um was oh, sure. was getting yeah. like yeah was getting like death threats and stuff so they they fled and they went to america and it just gets crazier the fbi get involved um 
state governors get involved, people die, people that's like they openly talk about how they've done, they've planned assassinations and and succeeded with assassinations like <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's I mean I, I I like I guess I was expecting making a murderer levels of like intrigue right till the end. I just felt like okay. the series fizzled out a little bit. I mean, with we have a we have a whole section dedicated to um criticism which we, we both have something in particular we, we should talk about um yes but i feel like in in this initial session we've got through the giant bizarre furniture which of course is you know the really the wikipedia stuff is what people listen to this podcast for right oh absolutely uh but there are two two significant items of news one of which you know about and one of which you don't know about because it's right. very new um the first of which is yes yesterday two days ago i ordered all of the t-shirts Way. For the Wikicast, the the orders have gone in. There were a few more than we expected. Mm. Uh, between the Wikicast and uh, the To Do Calculate, I ordered like 170 T-shirts. It's amazing. Uh, so yeah, that that's a thing. Um, I spent like the best uh, over a grand on the production, which was more than I was expecting. But then that's again, insane. we had way more orders than I expected. Like yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday was the most uh, expensive day in the history of my company because it is technically yeah. a company. Uh, but also, like my bank account just didn't know what hit it. It was just like, "What do you want from me? Like you're yeah. <laughs> you're putting all this money in, you're spending all of this money, you're taking a wage? Like, yeah, that was that. Uh, so that that was pretty cool. I got to go in and um, you know, say right, I've got all these t-shirts for you to make. By the way, there's this other design, and I sent, I gave him the USB drive with the to do calculate file on it. Yeah. And he loaded it up and was like, "Is that it?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that that that's it. <laughs> it, it. It just says to do calculate. I don't understand either. <laughs> but like a hundred people want these. Yeah. Uh. So, uh. Yeah. That that was a fun experience. Um. So yes, that's happening. They will be made and shipped. Uh. By the end of the month. Uh. Also, fun fact. Um. I will be shipping the stickers the people who have just ordered stickers this weekend uh because there was a slight delay uh i partly my fault i set up a little sheet well because we wanted to include a little note with every package that said you know from from simon and dan lots of love um you know thank you for buying this uh and i didn't do it whilst you were here so i had to wait to send it to you and then get it sent back problem was uh muggins here didn't didn't put enough postage on the um envelope when he sent it back so, ah. <laughs> so i got a happy little note from the royal mail saying oh yeah you've got to pay a fee if you want to uh if if, if you want to get your um letter except you put as the address to my colleague and then yeah. spelled my name wrong <laughs> did i spell your name wrong you put clark with an e Oh, did I actually? Yes. So I had to go. No, I can't the, remember uh... whether this was tied down thinking he was being funny, because the McCulloch bit was definitely meant to be like, a, oh, the, he'll he'll get that'll come through the door and he'll be like, oh, classic Dan. Well, um, but it would have done. Clark with an E may have just been me being overly tired. It would have done if it had come through the door. But as it stood, I had to go on the Royal Mail website and be like, oh, hey, so you want to pay for extra postage? Great. Who's the letter addressed to? Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I was right, like, yeah. McCulloch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Let me pay this one pound fifty postage fee. Amazing. Um, so yeah, there was a slight delay, but that's going to be sent out. So hopefully, actually, as this podcast is being sent out, I might be doing the packing as you're listening to this if it's this weekend. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so that's happening. The other massive bit of news is Pixel Girl got a job. So Ooh. 
Yeah, wow. yeah, she got a job. Um, I will say where it is and bleep it for the podcast for Dan's purposes. Uh, but it's gonna be in, which Ooh. is in. Uh, yeah. it's quite close to. So um, yeah, uh, that's that. That's a thing. We now know where we're gonna live next year. So we're looking at houses at the moment, uh, and Jeez. it's really really exciting because. I've never moved in with a girlfriend before. Yeah. This is like point of no return, to quote Les Mis. Uh So, yeah. Wow, kind of kind of a big... Like, obviously, like, moving in with you is like... It's somewhat different if it's a friend, right? Because... I mean, it's it's entirely different, yeah. Yeah, like, we we didn't have sex all the time, <laughs> right? No, never. Uh, uh, so, you know, and also, like, if things go wrong... Yeah, like, if things go wrong in a friendship, you know, you... You could still live together, like for the length of the contract. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, but like, if you f up in a relationship and you're living together, that's that's really bad. So it is like in my head, it's like, oh god, like you really can't f up now, like because I mean, yes, we're we're gonna have a sofa bed, but like, I would need a new place to live. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of scary, really. It's like it's like the big great leap forward in the relationship it's i've never had this before and it's like i'm being all adult but I, I, I don't know how i feel about this but uh there's there's fast internet there there's gonna be faster internet <laughs> than i have here and there's a gym and there's a train station that goes to london um so yeah like it's it sounds pretty perfect really i mean it's conservative wow. seat but other than that it sounds pretty perfect speaking of it's voting day today isn't it it is, and I'm an idiot because I didn't register in time. Oh, Simon. I know, I've let the side down, I really Come have. Come on, I need to, when we finish recording, I'm going to go to the uh, the school, where we, same place that we did it last year, um, and uh, and vote. Yeah, I feel like a mug, I really do, because it is, it is super important, and I just f*** it up. Yeah. So, make sure you vote, kids, and, oh. unless you plan on voting UKIP, in which case, f*** you. Hopefully, uh, uh, I'm, well, I'm, I'd be massively surprised if Exeter lost its Labour seat, it's not going to happen, but... Uh, yeah. Well, this is for the local council, yes, right? Yeah, rather than parliamentary, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm kidding, by the way. If you want to vote UKIP, you do you. It's important you express your voice. I just think you're scum. Um, to be fair, also, who votes UKIP anymore? Really, like hardly anybody. You know, you know, we've left the EU. Well, or have we? Uh, thanks to the House oh, yeah. of Lords. Yeah, we go. Uh, we might just like it's going to be like that uh, subreddit. No, no, no. Yes. Well, like it looks yeah, like something's yeah, going to yeah. go horribly wrong, and then we just pull out of it at the last minute. Although, oh yeah, did you hear about the whole Brexit Queen thing? No. So I can't remember who it was. There was an an elderly man in Parliament who was an MP. Apparently, he didn't just wander in. Um, <laughs> you said, so. you don't, yeah, to say, like, who is this guy? Um, uh, he like he said uh, of Theresa May, he like called her the Brexit Queen. Mm. And said that he was going to erect a statue of her in his constituency and carry her through the streets. Peter Bone, that was it. Uh, was he a Tory? Of course, he's a Tory. He hasn't got a mark. He hasn't. He clearly isn't intelligent. Like Peter Bone, did you say? Yeah, Peter Bone. A statue will be erected to the Brexit Queen, which sounds like a fairy story, but shit. Yeah, the Prime Minister will be carried through the streets. What the actual? F happening in this country so he's the he's the mp for wellingborough which sounds like a, a conservative you know yeah so it's it's in oh it's in northamptonshire it's where i used to it's near where i used to live all oh, right heck heck in Roddy george wow his political career section uh and views and funding and expensive 
expenses are colossal. <laughs> it's, he's, he's a Tory, is what you're saying. Oh, f- sake. Byrne employs his wife, Jenny, as his executive secretary. Of course he does. In 2007-2008, he paid her in the top bracket of up to £40,000 per annum. He was also one of the 32 MPs who claimed the maximum allowance of uh, £4,800 a year on food. Like, you know, I I feel like I speak for basically every young person in the country when I say nobody cares about politics because we just were so sick of people like this. Oh, hang on. So he employs his wife. Right. And that and that four thousand maximum of four thousand pounds a year in two thousand seven two thousand eight, but in two thousand sixteen they separated. He separated from his wife Jenny, who is a conservative councillor in the borough of Wellingborough, and his executive secretary in two thousand sixteen, and is now in a relationship with Helen Harrison, a married physiotherapist, twenty years his junior. Fuck. People in this young people in this country. This is why we don't care about politics. Because this is what we just assume all politicians do, and politicians do this because they know they can they can get away with it. Yeah, like that. It's so dangerous, and like obviously, I'm the person who's sitting here having not registered to vote in the local elections because I'm an idiot. But like that, there's such a dangerous level of apathy towards politics in this country. Like we, something needs to happen to actually get young people interested, and I know that that's the kind of thing that like Jeremy Corbyn did that to a certain extent, right? And, you know, it, yeah, he's still doing people. it. In his in his defence, he really is. Like I think, like um, the 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 youth vote has never been more engaged than it is currently. Um, I feel like the 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 primary criticism that people are giving for Corbyn at the moment is they just think he's a weak leader, and the the main reason for that is from Prime Minister's Question Time. Prime Minister's Question Time, sometime last year, he was asked the question: If push comes to shove, and you need to hit the red button, would you? And he ne- he he never he didn't say yes once. He said no. I, we'd have we'd have to assess the situation and have discussions. And and then yeah. people from that were like, oh, well, he couldn't possibly prime minister if like what if someone fires on him? We were like, what a stupid theoretical ignorant yeah, but, but people question have to very ask. Deliberately of course, we talk about words. it. Yeah, like, I'll be. I mean, I I I I have a tremendous amount of respect for Corbyn. I think he's a really really honest, hardworking MP. Yeah, um, he does seem to. Be, I mean, like he he is constantly seems to be fighting. Um, he, he does constantly seem to be fighting against the media, like in terms of misrepresent, you know, misrepresenting him. Um, obviously, there's been the whole anti-Semitism thing recently as well. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, this episode is definitely not going to result in any heated discussion in the Discord afterwards. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is going to be fine. Uh, but you know, like the whole Labour Party as a whole, just I don't know. I don't. I, I know that there have been calls to to create a new left-leaning political party because that's the role that really the Lib Dems should be occupying. But everyone's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, but the tuition fees," uh, yeah. you know, because apparently the people who object to the Lib Dems are white van men. Um, like, <laughs> there's yeah. I mean, to be, and like, I just I just wish that people were as engaged in politics, but not to the same fanatical level, um, like mm. they are in America. Like young people yeah. really care in America. Um, and it seems like in a lot of other countries, maybe it's I don't know, maybe it's a European thing. We just we just don't care seemingly because because we seem to think that all politicians are basically the same. This is so weird. I'm just going through Corbyn's Wikipedia page, and just through flicking through, I came across the most glorious sentence, which is Corbyn went on a motorbike tour of East Germany with Diane Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> This is amazing. After his marriage to Chapman ended in uh, 1979. Oh, this is in 1979. Wow. Yep. He then married a uh, Chilean exile, Claudia uh, Braquita. Um, 
granddaughter of Ricardo Braquita, the consul general of Spain in Santiago, uh-huh. uh, uh, by whom he had uh, three sons. Uh, in 2012, he married uh, his Mexican-born partner, Laura Alvarez, in Mexico, who runs a fair trade coffee import business. Isn't that nice? He's, I, I, I really like him. He also he collects uh, manhole covers. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's the most Jeremy Corbyn fact possible, isn't it? And he it's likes making jam, doesn't he? Like he's a big he's a big like conserve maker. Yeah, he's he's like a male member of the WI. A lot of the activities that they traditionally do, he's dead into. Yeah, I really like him. I'd love to meet him. I think he's really, and like the, the great thing is, like from a views perspective, his he's been he he knows his ideals ever since he got into politics, and he's just stuck with them. And when, when uh, there's some great interview, there's one really great interview on Channel Four where basically they 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 out and out say, "How do you keep doing what you do in the light of such kind of constant abuse from like other parties and other media outputs that are controlled by those parties?" And he's just like, "I'm here to do my job. I'm here to you know I always wanted to be a politician. I'll die a politician. I want to try and make the world a better place." Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, well, oh, I mean, it's I like amazing it. that like not too long ago, everyone was like, "God, there's no way he can stick around. He's he's on the way out." And now it's like Theresa May. Everyone's looking at her and going, "How are you still in your job? Like, <laughs> how on? Uh, you got rid of Amber Rudd, yeah, because of the whole Windrush thing. But you you were kind of responsible for that. Hmm. Like, how are you still in your job? Um, uh, I just yeah, I I, I the, the longer the longer I I'm alive, the more I just despair at how. Little people seem to care, but also I can understand why people don't care because everyone sees politicians being all the same. There's no real choice between the parties because nothing really seems to change in politics. Mm. Like, admittedly, we've had a conservative government for how many years now? Ten? When did they win the election? I don't know. Like, but basically the entire time that we've been adults and like kind of conscious of this kind of thing, it's been a conservative government with auda- audacity. Um, Wait, austerity. It was Blair and Blair and Brown wasn't it? Brown was fairly recent. Gordon Brown. Yeah. When did David Cameron win? It's going to be something like 2010. He was prime minister. Yes, in 2010. So we've we've had a conservative government for eight years. Um, Long enough. Yeah, I'd say. Well, that's the whole thing. That's the whole reason you have, like, parties on the other side the spectrum spectrum is that you flip-flop between the two and on the balance you end up with a, a, a position that's somewhere in the middle. Um, mm. it's just that, like at the moment, I don't know. Labour are looking stronger than they have for a while. Maybe we'll get a left wing government. This is sorry. This is absolutely scintillating talk. I use that word all the time when talking about this podcast. But yeah, Christ. Um, I feel like we should go on to the next section where I know we have something that we're desperate to talk about. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about Infinity War? Yeah, I do. I do want to talk about that. All right, well, let's go. So, you've, we've we've now both seen it. Yep, I, I saw it. Um, it it wasn't actually a midnight showing. It was about eleven p.m., but it was like the day after it came out. I saw. Well, it. I was meant to go to the midnight showing, and we got to fire. It was for David's kind of party thing. We got to fire oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah, have yeah. some drinks. I had like half a pint, 
I'm just like, I'm really tired. I'm oh, gonna meet you. It was like nine. Down. I was like, tell you what, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll meet you at the at the cinema at like quarter to twelve. I'm just gonna go home and chill out because I'm tired. Have a have a like a power nap and I'll meet you later. Mm. So I did, and then I got a message from David saying, okay, we're just leaving Firehouse. Meet you at the cinema. And I went, okay. And then I replied back five minutes later, being like, yeah, I'm not gonna come. I'm really sleepy. <laughs> that is um, so you. <laughs> yeah, so I just ha- I just had a nap instead and went uh, on one of my days off uh, yeah. on my own. Uh, to I got a really good seat in an IMAX theater, so it was like, really I'll cool. be, I'll be, did you see it in three D then? No. Okay, good. Because um, like, I'll be, I'll, every time I've paying time, more to see a film that looks. Yeah, the only time I've enjoyed a three D film was I enjoyed seeing Avatar in three D because yeah, that was how no, it was that's, designed. That's my example actually. And also, there was another thing I saw in three D where I was actually like, you know, this is kind of added to it. Um, oh, I think it was Inside Out. Really. There was something I saw and I was like, I don't think 3D would add to it, but actually it, it kind of did. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, it's also, I can't remember what it was. It was. I think it might have been Inside Out. But um, yeah, also, I don't see, I, I, I don't think I've enjoyed, like properly enjoyed a midnight showing of anything. Like, I went to see episode seven at midnight. I went to see Rogue One at midnight and I went to see, oh, actually no, I think I might have seen Deadpool at midnight with Michael. Yeah, I saw episode seven at Rogue One. I also saw some of the Harry Potters when they came out, which I obviously enjoyed because I'm oh, yeah. obsessed. But like, um, you never, you never really get to appreciate the film because you're just you're tired, you know. Yeah. Especially when you've you've been doing what we did, where so we went and have some drinks beforehand because it was a birthday thing. Mm. That is a potent combination. Yeah, just enough just, drinks that you start getting sleepy. Doesn't matter then, how. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter how exciting the film is. Um, so I'm glad I I'm glad I waited and actually saw it when I was also seeing it alone. Um, so I, I had some time to kind of my, for my own thoughts and yeah. But yeah and I was, imagine I imagine afterwards you were you were absorbed in your thought thoughts for quite a while. I was I really was. So I think first off I should say that I enjoyed it. Yeah, I watched I'd agree it with that. and was like, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, I think the writers have done an amazing job to kind of handle the film in terms of its scope with the sheer number of characters and 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 kind of like different storylines and timelines and and how they've made how they've made these people meet and how it all fits together. It's actually done like it's 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 done admirably. Um yeah, yeah. I think there were numerous times where the pacing was completely off. Um I thought the 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 entire addition of Peter Dinklage's character was like a piss take. <laughs> That was yeah. so unnecessary. I mean, I, th- I can understand the necessity of, of Thor needing to go and get this axe, even th- even though it, it, set- it felt really hammed up. Be like, how do you... Oh, we need a really wait, strong okay, wait, wait, axe. Wait, 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 okay. wait, 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 wait. Before you do that, right, I'm going to say right now, this is going to be a spoiler discussion. If you oh, yeah. want to avoid spoilers, skip to the following time code. 53 minutes and three seconds. Okay, right. Okay. Now go for your life. <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing with the axe, it felt a little bit like, oh, that's a bit bullshit, isn't it? You've got somebody really powerful. We need a really powerful axe to stop him. No, no, um, I, can, I can understand. I can totally but it was, get behind that. I can. I mean, it, it, it felt for me, it felt a bit kind of like, oh, that's kind of classic comic book. And I didn't mind it for that. What I did mind it for was that whole sequence of him going through, getting the thing to start. You're meant to have some connection to the... To, Dinklage's dwarf character we've never seen him before he's like screen time is like a couple of minutes it's meant to be this really epic scene and it just doesn't work because it's so far I imagine there's a lot more that they cut out it felt like there was a lot more to that that sequence I mean Um, I actually uh, I I totally agree about his character I was like they've they've definitely deliberately picked an actor who is a dwarf to be a giant 
Like that's well, they th- call that's them some dwarves, kind of meta joke. That's the thing. Yeah, it, which is why um, they were you know like when we get there and you're like, oh, it's clever because they're called dwarves, but they're really big. It must be. It must be. Um, you know, some reference to something in the comics. Obviously, like that, yeah, that, that's yeah. a bit of fan service. Like as yeah. a character, I it should have been somebody who we've met in some capacity, which isn't really a fault of this film. I feel like possibly that should have been set up in a previous film. I just thought, just like, why, is, why is Tyrion Lannister in... Yeah, the classic problem is you cast someone same, who is too famous for a it's role. Basically really. the, he basically played the same character. Yeah. They were much. so, like, it was... Yeah, so that was... I took issue with that. I think I, there were also moments where, as I say, the pacing just wasn't right. It didn't... It was like they've they've put so much work in to try and make this film to kind of to make sense and then they were just like oh god you know like we're nearly done for the first half and then we'll sort out the other stuff later i mean i uh, my, my my take on it was i sat there for however long it was it, 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 i have to admit i didn't feel like it went on too long really but i'm a massive fan um so I yeah no I, I, admit, I, I would agree actually i don't think it did go on too long but i was sat there for say two two and a half hours however long it was and i just remember thinking this is good like yeah. this is this is really good, but like it's not making a deep emotional impact on me. Like it's not, it doesn't feel momentous. Um, yeah. But maybe that's just because I'm dead inside by this point. Like I don't think very much has an emotional impact on me. The only time that it slightly tugged on my heartstrings was Spider Man, um, right yeah, at the end where he's that begging. Felt a bit, for me, that felt a bit hand like hand in. Um, I think also the the I. I can see what they were trying to go through with the whole Chris Pratt, like, oh my god, we nearly got, we nearly killed him, we nearly got the glove off, and then you let your stupid humanity and love get in the way, and it's meant to be kind of like a kind of, you know. I just, I, to be honest, I'm going to be really curious as to see what they do from here. Oh yeah, that that is something that I don't think anyone because, could argue is that like after seeing this, you, you want to know what happens next. Okay, but you also you also think, well, how how is it gonna, you know. I mean, half, but, of, half of everything, everyone in the universe is dead. Well, that's that's the other thing, right? Is that okay? Yeah. If I if I give like an overview, it's that yeah. I thought the film was really enjoyable. I thought the fact that they it is unprecedented. Like obviously that's become a meme, but it is unprecedented what they've done in that they have basically done away with classic film structure and just said, look, if you're going to watch this film, we know you've seen the at least five of the previous films. You know these characters, yeah. so like. They've done away with a lot of convention and they've brought together like 30 characters or 40, however many it is. And they've just, you know, somehow they managed to write a film which took all those characters and they worked. And they and had also those characters, the, the cultures that those characters belong to. Yeah. And, like, and across I, I the think... world of Black Panther and Thor or, yeah. and Doctor Strange. I mean, he is Doctor Strange is my favorite. I mean, we can't really call him an Avenger, but um, he's, he's my favorite Marvel character for sure. Yeah, because um, I just the, the, the whole um, mystic arts thing I'm massively into because I'm a World of Warcraft nerd and it's like oh it's kind of like a mage, <laughs> um, but it's I think from a character perspective he's just got a really interesting story and a really interesting way of kind of looking at. Also, that I didn't understand why he gave the gave, gave the thing away. Uh, oh, well, oh, that's obvious why because he the, he said there was one possibility in the have nine whatever have many million possibilities oh, he looked cool. at yeah he did didn't he and there's yeah, the yeah, one yeah. possibility so like that to me like and i like the fact that they didn't baby you in that sense it's just like yeah. you're gonna work this out um but like yeah the fact that they were able to get all those cultures all of those characters into 
and then the way they did that obviously is that um they didn't put them all in one room they separated them out into the different threads and those yeah. threads actually came together in a way that was satisfying i think yeah. from a writing perspective it, it's extraordinary it's yeah, it's it's definitely. actually amazing to me how well the film worked like i was never expecting i thought it'd be a cluster f- honestly i really did but like it yeah. actually came together and you had a villain who you actually kind of understood it wasn't just like you know i want to take over the universe kind of thing there was like a he justification had... for him and yeah like... had such humanity didn't he you could yeah absolutely like you understand and rationalize his view and like well have you heard about this like there's a group on facebook you heard about this i've heard that there are groups on facebook there's a group on facebook basically being like we believe in thanos T- totally agreeing with his attitude of what we what needs to happen to make the to like ensure that we don't just kind of like ravage this world oh you mean malthusian economics great yeah like um hang on let me oh but i don't know we have a glove that could, could do absolutely anything in the universe like i don't know making infinite resources why bother killing half the universe that's obviously like the main like you could you could overthink it and you know if someone said that to thanos's face it was like oh shit, yeah whoops um but like yeah so, so so to conclude kind of like my overview i feel like the writing was exceptional like the fact that they were able to structure it the way they did tonally it did feel a little bit at odds sometimes like sometimes it was a little bit too light sometimes it felt a little bit plodding but pay i thought the pacing was fine i thought the tone could could have been improved overall really entertaining really really solid film like and yeah they actually ended it in a way that they've no one's ever ended a summer blockbuster before with the bad guy winning and half of your heroes dead yeah like and spider-man like a kid begging for his life while his like adopted parent looks on and can't do anything as he turns to ash like It's it's pretty, it's pretty dark. <laughs> like so, they they did stuff that nobody else had done before because nobody else had. I feel like this is going to be like in the history books of future cinema. This is going to be like this ten year experiment. All these films interlinking, and they actually brought it together in a yeah. satisfying way. At least for the first half, they could still f- up the second half. But like, if this is anything to go by, I feel like part two is going to be this whole saga. This whole all the arcs is like this is historical stuff that's happening. Mm. yeah it's as an as exactly as an exercise in storytelling um and as one of those when you when you're when you know when when they're teaching um narrative and plot in film studies courses or even just just like studies of novels this would be such an interesting one to look at and for someone to perform like an analysis on the script and, because it and breaks so many of the rules yeah yeah it's it's so different um and it's only possible if you've had 15 odd films whatever it is 16 17 18 films before this you know to to actually set everything up to the point where you're just like yeah we're going to ignore introducing characters you know who these people are um yeah ah it's it's uh, as i said to begin with though it definitely didn't it didn't have much of an impact on me like i just remember thinking this is fun like this is good but like it's you know it's not emotionally devastating me or anything like that yeah. Um, it's and I'm sure that people like uh, Sally Sally LePage will be like, eh, don't care. And I, I I can get that. I can totally get that some people just isn't going to do anything for them because it only raised my heart rate a little bit. The the time when it actually yeah like Spider Man dying and also at the end where they were killing Vision and all the Avengers are lining up to try and stop Thanos. Um, mm. I was like, this is this is kind of powerful. This is this is pretty cool, but good 
but surface level entertainment is probably the, the my, my summary hmm. were you able to find that thing you were looking for no <laughs> i remember i think hugo has it i'll send him a message and see if i can and then i'll put it on the wikicast group page or something but yeah there's a facebook group of people just basically being like sympathizing with Thanos and being like yeah he probably had a decent like he meant well by killing if, like half of everyone um but uh yeah but then there were also comments i heard some people coming out of the cinema being like if that was the issue well actually no that's a lie a blatant lie it was a fa- it was a um simpsons shit post yeah and it was the one that was like this little kid looking oh up, i like, shared that yeah the, the kid yeah, being like yeah. oh, Thanos, why can't you just create du- it's not it's not the, the argument the that you should create like double the universe it's just make the resources infinite like i yeah. love how people are like that's not how the glove works and it's like it's a macguffin that allows you to do anything that's the point yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but it's it's a superhero movie you can't overthink it at the end of the day that's like, the thing that's the that's the thing like you've got to take it for what it is ultimately i think it's a good it's a good it's a good film it's not perfect, but then nowadays, certainly with the amount of film criticism that we do and how invested we are in certain films, or just film in general, we I think both you and I have really high expectations. When we see a film, we want it to really be good. Um, so yeah. that kind of to 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 walk out and be like, "Wow, that was amazing!" is very is rare because um, there's always something you can find to critique. Because part of I think the the deeper that you criticize something, um, and the more kind of analysis that you can you can put onto a piece of art it's almost kind of reflection of how much you care about it rather than how bad it is yeah i mean i i feel like in a way it's just more impressive it's not even impressive that it's good it's more impressive that it wasn't bad mm. like considering how much yeah how, how much we wanted it to be good how much we went into it hoping it was going to be good and yeah. if you were anything like me assuming it wouldn't be yeah i mean but, i mean do you have anything else that you'd like to to i mean i, I feel like that we're missing stuff to be honest like Oh yeah, I do feel like the focusing obviously it had to focus on Vision, right? Because he's got an Infinity Stone, but focusing on the relationship between him and Wanda weaken the film because you don't know anything mm. about that relationship. I feel like if they were somehow able to put the focus on Hulk and um, Romanoff on Black Widow, um, yeah. that would have been much stronger because that's been there for so so long. And that's been like the thread through the whole thing. Maybe they'll do that in part two. But I feel like that would have been a stronger anchor to, yeah. you know, to, to put the whole film on. Because I don't know about you, but I was just like, eh, like, I don't really care. Mm. Although, yeah. amazing little detail when they're in um, uh, Edinburgh, because it says Scotland, it's definitely Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a little sign on the right hand side of the frame in a kebab shop that says, We will deep fry your kebab. Yeah. And then a little Scottish flag underneath, and I was like, "Yes." So yes. they they understood, um, but yeah, uh, um, I just thought that was quite a neat little touch. Apparently, they were fighting as well in Durham Cathedral. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that, but apparently, yeah, like when Vision and oh, on um, Durham Cathedral. Yeah, not, but apparently, yeah. like apparently, they also filmed in Durham Cathedral, but maybe that got cut. I don't think there was anything in the film that was. I mean, I think I would have like been like, "Ooh." That's inside a cathedral. I, yeah. I can I recognise that the, like the, the, they may have been like they may have been on a you know, they were on a church roof whether it was Durham or cathedral or not I can't remember but yeah um, but but oh. then I, like I recognise the bits in Edinburgh so I, I assumed that that was in Edinburgh but I don't think it was yeah, um, yeah but but yeah that that we can do um, also when they went back to Wakanda uh, I was I went with Alex 
And as soon as like the Wakandan music kicked in next to him, I could just I could feel his excitement like yeah. <laughs> start to explode next yeah. to him. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> here we go. It's just such a culturally rich part of that universe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way that Asgard never was. No, because it was too distant. It was too other. Yeah. Whereas Wakanda's almost plausible. Yeah, yeah, I suppose because worse, well, it's not a giant floating disc in space yeah like, sitting on clouds yeah although that was that was an interesting thing actually i did like the way they opened the film with um hulk fighting uh thanos and immediately get schooled because of course he was going to be like that was going to be the thing everyone was gonna be like yeah but what happens when hulk fights thanos like he that's yeah. how they're gonna win it's like no yeah. but also yeah. just choking loki like a bitch just yeah, like... and he's is he is he properly dead? Oh, oh for sure, he is. I, I, as as dead as the other characters in the film are. Like, yes, yeah. The fact that they have the Infinity Gauntlet means that they can reverse time and everything like that. Yeah. Because um, if he can, surely if he can click his fingers and wipe out half of life, he can click his fingers. Well, the, the drug, the glove's been damaged, hasn't it? No, no, it wasn't. He, he um, Thanos was hit by Thor's axe. Um, which was a bit lame, incidentally, how they put, like, uh, Groot, the, the way that they handled Groot being the handle. Oh, yeah. I was yeah, just a bit yeah. like, well, that's that just feels like it's come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, like, because when, when he comes in, he flies in with the axe, he hits him in the chest, but the glove still works, because that's why he's able to snap his fingers. I thought the process of him snapping the fingers required so much power that... Oh, yeah, I forgot, the you're right, the glove's all, damaged. like, the f***ed up. Yes, you're right, I totally forgot. So he can't use the glove to then like because people are saying like oh he can just click his fingers again and undo it but it's like the, it's been the glove's been damaged so he can't do that. But like the infinity the infinity stones should still. Mm. I don't think they get destroyed. I don't, I don't think. Um, that whole I must admit the the bit where they take Vision, Vision's stone is destroyed. Yeah. And then he just walks through, reverses time, and takes it off him anyway. Yeah, like, and he, he, he was, like, and I, felt he tears really, the... I felt a little bit annoyed because I was like, oh, well, we've just sat through this really long, harrowing scene of them having this moment, and then you're just going to go, like, yeah, f it. Because it, part, I think part of me knew that he was going to do that anyway, so why build it up? You but, like, that's that. the point. That, that's, to, that's to, like, really hammer home the loss, I think. Because, like, yeah, Wanda but it's like, it's, has, they're has... hammering home a point, and then they're literally, like, picking up a mallet and swinging it into your face. Like it's, but it's that's a bit much. That's the whole conclusion. You could argue that that's like the the whole thing that the whole that, that all the films have been building to. Really, that's the final moment. So if you're ever gonna ham up a point, it's like it's making yeah. Wanda kill her boyfriend slowly and painfully, only to have him reverse time, rip the stone from him, and like make him look all grey and dead, and then yeah. turn her to ash. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's the. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That's that's pretty that's probably the one of the darkest bits of the whole film actually. Yeah. It is a dark film. It is. And I don't know how they're going to handle the tone of the next film. Are they going to go in like Nolan like and be like DC full dark and gritty and like everyone yeah. we know is dead. Or like off the Guardians of the Galaxy, the only one left is Rocket. Yeah. Like all the original Avengers are still alive, but literally only Rocket survived from them. Only Thor still survives from Asgard. Yeah, like it's a lot of dead people. I mean, like Black Panther died. I was not expecting that. No, uh, uh, Doctor Strange, he's gone as well. Yeah, Spider Man. Because I love that character. 
Yeah, I, I, I would, could, I could have done with a bit more Doctor Strange actually, and I could have done with him showing off his power a little bit more. Because when you think about when, well, there was the whole, the, the, there was the fight that he has with Thanos, mm. and then Thanos just uses the reality stone, and Doctor Strange is like, oh shit, <laughs> oh, no, my tricks <laughs> won't work. But it is just such an, he like he's a, he's a being of like near infinite power. Because if you get if you get them through into that like what was it called like the mirror dimension. Uh yeah yeah. If you set but he takes up like a mirror dimension, he can anything goes, and it's completely set by him. Yeah, it's very cool. That, that that has to like from a purely geeky film perspective, it's like it was so cool to see just how powerful he was, and like he's just yeah. taking Avengers out like it's nothing. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like that final walk when everyone's trying to stop him, and like Cap is like trying to hold him off, and like he's just swatting all these people away. But then also to have Thor, like Thor is seems to be now the most powerful character apart from Thanos. Um, yeah that's kind of been that felt a little bit like oh wow he is really strong <laughs> yeah like when he turned <laughs> up and like Hulk is like yeah you guys are screwed now <laughs> yeah 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 because he's got the you know he's, t- he's he's got he gets the little like the, the lightning eyes and just starts going a bit mental yeah yeah um, it is cool but yeah, I feel like I, 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 we also talked about the, A Quiet Place last time I have not been able to go to the cinema since uh infinity war because uh, alex has been away and he's my lift so yeah. i have yet to see a quiet place but i have every intention of going to do so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to having that conversation with you yeah it's because it's uh yeah that's that's going to be one of my films of the year i will submit myself to pure terror for you i hope you uh i appreciate it it's i good. hope you appreciate it yeah <laughs> i have to message alex and be like make sure you try and just like really if you can sneakily try and... Uh, we obviously won't be able to get your reactions, but that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we have talked for quite a while and we should probably move on because we do have other sections of the podcast. We do have a fan we fiction. We do. So uh, I hope that you guys have enjoyed our very spoiler-free... No, very spoilery uh, discussion of Infinity War. Welcome back, uh, for those of you who, who skipped. Um, yes. you, sh- you should see the film, by the way. It's really good. That's our it basic is, conclusion. Yeah, it's very good. Onwards! Top lad! Thank you for watching Wikicast Infinity War. We'd like to thank the following people for making it possible. Stan Lee cameo by Marit the... Oh my god, what name is that? Oh my god. By Marit... Vakira Punya what? Punya what? Punya what? <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange's cloak tamer, Ashagu Nagapan Nagasaravanan, and Simon Vase. Takes two people Needs to two wrestle people it down. down. <laughs> it's, a, it's a powerful cloak. Muscle oiling team to Mr. Hemsworth, Fi Welch, Henry Brewster, and Lewis Watson. Iron Man suit one polisher, Davy Schram Vontabel. Iron, Iron Man, Man suit two. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkeye excuse finder, Eric Davis. Visions optometrist, Tapio Kirkinen. Very good. <laughs> is it is is left better or worse? Is it better or is it worse? The power stone or the time stone? Power stone or time stone? <laughs> those stones again, the palace stone and the time stone. What's the lowest infinity stone that you can read? You can see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sketch in there somewhere. Hair for Mr. Thanos, Billy Tolson. Black Panther Tamer, Wonderful Stephen. Quip writers for Mr. Downey Jr., 
Elliot Conway, Ben McMurtry, David Scalehill, and the Moustache Man. It's a lot of quips. Spider-Man babysitters, Kieran Kelly, Angela. Handler preventing Danny Dyer from appearing in the film, Habiba Amjad. Hulk's dietitian, Jay Wright. <laughs> he only eats green foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very specific. Doctor Strange's assistant, Doctor My Lungs Don't Work Properly, Dan Hanby. Asgardian translator, Emma Kavanagh. That's an Asgardian name. Not many people know that. Yeah, this is the thing. Team responsible for embiggening Peter Dinklage, Lachlan Woods, and John Mannion. Great use of embiggening. Yeah, it embiggens <laughs> the noblest man. Yeah. Spider Man understudy, Toby. Sorry, Matt McGuire. Ah, ah, see, it's a slow burner, but it kind like of makes that. sense. Yeah. Provider of monocles to Mr. Fury, Nick Webster. Star Lord's personal DJ, Miles Cornfeld. Uga Chaka, Uga 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 Chaka, Luke Thatcher. Sorry, that should be Luca Thatcher, Luca 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 yeah. Thatcher, Luca <laughs> Luca. Go. I can't stop this beer. Captain America, chest buffer, Jordi Eschendal. What a job! And directed by the Russo brothers, Simon Torseth and Alex Greer. Thanks for the money. Okay, let's go. <laughs> um, thank you so much to all our patrons um, for supporting us. Uh, as Simon mentioned earlier in this podcast, uh, the t-shirts have actually been ordered. Um, the, the the stickers are going to be coming out as well. Uh, the, the the vinyls uh, to, to go on. I've actually got one on my laptop as we speak. It's looking lovely. Um, but yeah, your support really, really, really counts. Um, the same goes for, you know, whether you can, whether you can kind of provide financial support, but people who are kind of active in all areas of the Wikicast community, whether that be on the Discord or posting things in the community section of the Patreon or posting things onto the Wikicast Facebook page, anything, um, or just shit posting that Simon and I get sent on Twitter by a daily basis. We appreciate everything. And Love oh it. my God, there's a cat on the fence. Well, well, it's funny you should mention that one, Dan, because... In in uh, the, the top lad tier has its own. I'm just, I'm just lining up in my in my sights, just about to get it. And uh, Team Dog and Team Cat have been locked in their own battle for the people pledging a dollar a month. A dollar a month. Team Dog has twenty seven patrons, but this week Team Cat has twenty nine patrons. Oh no! Team, Team Cat, Dog, we are Come no on, longer this, on the fence. This can't go. Ugh, it looks like guess who's going to be pledging three dollars? <laughs> this guy. Well, if you if you feel like that is unjustifiable and that Team Dog should be the supreme household pet, then you know what to do. You need to go to patreon.com forward slash the wikicast and pledge a dollar a month to Team Dog. But of course, if you're a sensible person like me, you'd want to put your dollar behind Team Cat and make sure that we stay on top. Thank you very much to all of our patrons on Patreon. It really does make a massive difference. It covers the, the hosting costs of the... Uh, the podcast it covers the merchandise so we are Im- incredibly indebted to you so thank you very much and now let's go on to um, a crisis shall we let's do it top lad so we find ourselves once again in correspondence corner and i believe simon we have we have one for this week is that right we do we've had a few people email in um so um anonymous has been very busy this week a lot's been happening to anonymous um so this week uh anonymous has emailed in and i'm going to read you out the full message and then we'll, we'll talk about uh the crisis that anonymous is, is facing and how we can help anonymous begins evening gents the following is my submission for crisis corner concerning therapy this is a throwaway account i use for anonymous emails uh, but rest assured i am a regular and long-term reader glad to hear it uh 
I've recently undertaken cognitive behavioural therapy sessions, as advised during a depressive episode I experienced some months ago. This was the latest in a string of similar breakdowns over the past year, and thus therapy seemed like a worthwhile endeavour. Having spoken with my therapist for countless hours over a number of weeks, it soon became clear that this methodology was largely to challenge my thought processes. He would first ask me to explain the fullest extent how and why I felt a certain way, then to self-analyse this thought pattern, to evaluate it, to question its validity and integrity, and finally, to change it. For some context, a prevalent issue of my mental health is a form of body dysmorphia, wherein, regardless of my weight, I loathe the sight of my own body. My weight tends to fluctuate a hell of a lot through some periods of relentless starving and others of uncontrollable gorging. Whether I'm two stone underweight or three stone overweight, I'm always too fat. Always. I cannot walk past a mirror without doing some involuntary checks to monitor my size. Mere millimetre differences in some areas can cause me to obsess for weeks, sometimes leading to self-harm. In any case, describing this to my therapist resulted in me being given treatment largely used to treat OCD, called Exposure and Response Prevention, developed at the University of Exeter. I've had this pack of instructions for a week now. It involves documenting every obsessive compulsion I have regarding my weight, as well as the time elapsed between obsessive thoughts. I then, presumably, take these records to my therapist and we evaluate my progress with the goal to diminish my beliefs bit by bit over time. My problem is this. Should I, or can I, really change the way I think? Is changing something this far ingrained within me, a belief this fundamental, not changing myself? Can one choose to believe something? Am I within my rights to find this whole thing terrifying? I appreciate neither of you have may have experience with therapy, or perhaps you do, but I would appreciate your thoughts nonetheless. Thank you, Anonymous. Well, that's an interesting one. That is a very interesting one. Um, yeah. So, so the basic issue here is: um, does can you ever fundamentally change the way you think, and is doing so fundamentally changing who you are? Um, what's what's your initial take on that, Dan? I think I think you can change the way you think, uh, and I think it it's not changing who you are. It maybe it may be tra- changing an aspect of yourself, but the thing to remember is that we're changing all the time. So that kind of that kind of internal change, personal internal change, is happening whether whether we know it or not through like through through you kind of growing and developing as a person just through age or experience, but then also um, growing kind of in kind of emotional and and, and kind of behavioural maturity. Um, I would say, I think to answer your final question, uh, which was, am I within my rights to find this whole thing terrifying? Absolutely, it's yeah. a big change. Um, I think you, I th- you know, I think for you to be just completely kind of complacent through going something so, so kind of dramatic, <coughs> would be, um, excuse me, would be, would be that that would be the strange thing. Um, it sounds like this. This, I mean, you, you're right in saying. I mean, I, d- I don't have any um, experience with with therapy, um, but it sounds like this um, form of treatment. Uh, would be interesting because especially the documentation of records means that you're you're part of the process rather than just going in and seeing something once a week and then they them writing stuff down neither prescribing you medication or something like that but actually you're you and the therapist are always on kind of like an almost like an equal level each each way through Mm. um i don't think changing the way you think in this aspect is changing yourself at like a fundamental level i think it it will feel like that because 
it is something that you, it's something that you've known all your life from what's been kind of what's been said in the in the, in the email um but that's 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 not who you are it, it may have been a part of you um but it, it doesn't kind of it, it doesn't have to define you um as i say i think the most important thing to remember is that we're changing all the time regardless of whether we see therapists or not um so to to kind of not necessarily welcome the change with open arms um i think do be cautious and and treat it seriously and don't feel if it if it is quite overwhelming um i, I think it's completely justifiable to find it terrifying yeah, um, yeah. I, I really i really do i mean at the end of the day you feel it's a bit like um eternal sunshine and the spotless mind right mm. you're you're having your the way you think torn apart um yeah. or uh, alternatively if you want a literary reference you could think of it in terms of um zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance yeah. you know um that it's tearing apart the way you think um in in, in terms of how, how do you exactly do you phrase this can one choose to believe something um is changing something so far ingrained not changing yourself an expression that i came across recently which i quite like is the seer is not what is seen so hmm. the fact that you are able to kind of look on this not dispassionately obviously but you're able to look on on proceedings from a distance and see what is going on um means that there is a another level to you it's not it's not necessarily changing who you are as a person of course it's part of you so yeah in in some senses you know you as a as an entity will change because of the therapy because at the end of the day that's the point right you're changing the way you're thinking um but the, the the whole thing about the seer is not what is seen is that there is a framework that you are able to look at these events from and i feel like that's that is a kind of uh invariant eternal kind of thing um that therapy isn't going to change that you your consciousness the fact that you're aware of your own consciousness isn't going to change um i feel like therapy will it's not the same as repainting you know like a car or something but equally it's not like replacing a car it's somewhere in between it's it's like changing the way it's like checking it in for a service isn't it yeah, you're not, you're not necessarily making any fundamental changes to it that that are, as you say, like changing the colour or changing the parts. But you're going to go th- across each part one by one and maybe give them a clean. And it's making it better. Yeah, is the point. You know, you might take a car into service because it has some kind of behaviour which is causing it to gradually shake itself apart. It might be that a part isn't like the engine isn't particularly. I don't know anything about cars here, but it might well be that the the engine is loose and so it's rattling around and it's causing the car to shake itself apart. Um, If you take it into a service and you change the bolts that hold down the engine, um, you change the way that the engine is tied into the chassis, then it's not changing who you are. The car is still the same. The engine is still the same. It's just changing the way that the components interact with each other with a positive outcome. Um, that of course is terrifying because you are going into the doctors having your bonnet lifted up and having people lean in with spanners and you know forcefully change things uh, beyond your control because at the end of the day like I feel like if you I've not been to therapy I feel like I probably should have done several times but I feel like if you go to therapy you probably feel a little bit out of control you feel like people are going into your head and Charles and tweaking things you know which is why of course you should find it terrifying I think you're completely right to but it's not 
it's not changing who you are. I don't think. No, I'd agree. Um, and and it, from the sounds of your message, you know, you you are fixing a behaviour. You're you're altering a behaviour, which which I think you realise needs to be checked, needs to be changed, because you recognise that it's not healthy. Um, yeah. And I think it's very brave of you to say, I find this terrifying, but I still want to go want through to go with ahead. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's completely rational to, to send us an email um, that says, I don't know if it's going to work. Like, can is this even possible? Like, is this not going to change me? Um, yeah. I think it take, represents a lot of bravery to, to do what you're doing. Um, I think it does work i think it can change the way you think it requires you it's like meditation probably in that it requires you to believe that it will work in order for it to work Mm. um so i think you have to go into it with an open mind and it sounds like you you are but like with a healthy dose of skepticism yeah you know which i think is is reasonable but i think it, it can work i don't think it changes who you are as a person fundamentally i think it changes components of you it it, it rewires you somewhat it's gleaning in and tweaking the engine yeah but of course yeah that is scary um you know anonymous i i like like we did last week i think a a, a communal wikicast hug goes out to every single person who's featured on crisis corner mm. um but you are being very very brave anonymous for doing this it's something that i've never been brave enough to go in for for therapy yeah. um you know, even when I, I probably should have done in the past. Um, but you are, I think you are doing the right thing. And I think it Absolutely. can work. Well, thank you so much, Anonymous, for, for, for messaging in. As, as Simon said, it's an incredibly brave thing to do, not only to, to kind of go down the path that you're going down, um, but also to, to kind of email in. And and granted, that's that's why we think it's really important to keep these these crisis, crises um, uh, anonymous. Um but uh, we we kind of wish you well with everything that's going on. Um, it would be really interesting, actually, to see you know maybe in in given that both Simon and I aren't, aren't kind of used to this therapy, and this is something that's new for you as well. Um, if anything changes, um, yeah, I, to write I, in again. I'd be very interested in a follow up. I I, I yeah. would. Let us know how it's going. Um, even if it you know it's 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 anonymous, but maybe it will feel nice to know that this this certainly Simon myself and maybe anyone else who's listening is is kind of rooting for you and wanting to make sure that, that that things are going well yeah very much i feel like imagine a little line of, of readers with pom-poms and cheerleader outfits only male though i only want male cheerleaders in tiny skirts uh and yeah. pom-poms and we're spelling out anonymous and you know we're, we're rooting for you I, I think as i said i think you're being very very brave and i respect you an awful lot for going through with this uh, we've got an email here from uh hecking ruddy george Hey. It's titled A Heartwarming and Pleasant Email. Uh, it says, Dear Salmon and Dane, uh, spelled D E E R, salmon as in the fish, and Dane as in a great dog. <laughs> uh, non inflammable, infallible, inflatable flannels, candles, and handfuls of untraceable laser filled planets and bad habits, cases of cases of cake. What? what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what? Slow down! <laughs> well, I feel like I'm having a stroke here. What's going on? Right. It's classic. It's a classic Heck and Ready George email. Okay, let's start again. Oh my! Non-inflammable, God. infallible, inflatable flannels, candles, and handfuls of untraceable, untraceable laser-filled planets and bad habits. Cases of cases caked in cake, and in homeostasis. In place of provision, I should be doing. Please send help. 
Also, next week, expect a fan fiction from me. There'll only be one chapter. There will not be a sequel. You have been warned. Kind regards. Hecking Ruddy George. Oh, my yes, God. rereading this email, it sounds as though I've gone insane. I assure you I have not. It's just what revision does to a man. PPS. Please send help. Wow. Hecking Ruddy George, it's always a pleasure to hear from you. Um, we're glad that yeah, your brain is just still as mental as ever. Um, <laughs> I am really I concerned about what a fan fiction from him is going to be like. That's... That's quite something. That, uh, Hacking Ready George, we're always glad to hear from you. That's, I've, it's been it's been lonely without Hacking Ready George. It has has been the same. But someone someone else who's got back in touch after last episode is Matthias. So I don't know if you, you remember, but this was uh, Matthias who thought we were going to butcher his name. We didn't because we read the postscript first. Um, uh, he was trying to decide whether they should stay in America or go to Singapore for mm. their um, master's degree, uh, PhD, wasn't it? They were doing their master's degree in oh, America. Right. Yes. They're yes, from yes, Peru, yes, 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 and they weren't yes, yes, yes. sure where they should go. So we have a follow-up email. Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, or Catdog, which again, we I want to see that Photoshop. I, I, want, I want to see, someone tweet me a Photoshop of Dan and I as Catdog, please. Uh, I'm just going to demand memes by this point. Matthias says, I just finished listening to the podcast, and thanks a lot for the advice. I did end up choosing Singapore. Yay! And we'll be moving there in August with a two-month break at home. I'm in serious need of some Peruvian food. Oh, if you're not aware, Peru has won the award for Best World Culinary Destination consecutively since 2012. I've never heard of Peruvian food. I wonder what it is. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's food from Peru. But, like... Nice. Um, wow, he's not He's not kidding. He's But what characterises Peruvian food? Hang on, I'm going to Google this. Peruvianites! Peruvian cuisine. Uh, I'm seeing... Uh, uh, oh god, this is overwhelming. This is like a whole new world, a new fantastic oh, yeah. point of view. Um, Incidentally, uh, the huge yakman. <laughs> <laughs> I've just seen that. That's pretty funny. I just, I'll include a link to the this meme in the show notes. I was, I saw that. I was, I've been browsing Imga for some of this episode. <laughs> I just saw that and I was like, yes, that's funny. Um, I, I'm looking up, but, but oh god, like I've. Right, I'm looking at something. It looks like sweet potatoes. There's ingredients I don't even recognise. There's like a, 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 a kind of a coleslaw with with greens. Uh, Stir-fried beef is another dish here. Uh, creamy chicken with rice. It looks like a really interesting like fusion of different cuisines. Mm. Potatoes and a spicy cheese sauce. Guinea pig. That's That's just a straight up roasted guinea pig with roast potatoes. Oh my god, that's horrible. Oh, imagine a guinea pig, but its mouth is contorted open in fear, and it's just roasted like that whole. Oh, oh, that is horrible. Yeah, it says on this website, one of the Andean region's most popular sources of meat, the other being alpaca, this guinea pig as food strikes fear into the hearts of Westerners who think of it more as a pet than a meal. But consider tendy, smoky, dark meat beneath a glistening golden veneer of shatteringly crisp skin. No, I don't want to. Why do you eat cute? That's a creepy, creepy sentence, isn't it? Shatteringly crisp skin. Why are both of your main sources of meat adorable? Alpacas and guinea pigs. Mm. I mean, apart from that, a lot of these dishes are vegetarian, in fairness. Oh, apart from I've just got to the Anticuchos de Corazon grilled heart. Um, wow. And arroz con pato. Like as, like as the grilled heart. Desire F, the Peruvian plate. Mm. Uh, tell you what's really underrated. Fucking Stanford Te Deum. I was thinking about that the other day. Really underrated piece of music. It's all right. 
Yeah, but like it's 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 good, but like no one ever seems to talk about it. It's it's, it's a solid piece by Stanford. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, back on. Anyway, we were talking about Peruvian food. Um, since uh, going back to Matthias's messages, uh, since I'll be moving abroad again, what are your suggestions about adapting to a new culture and a new academic environment? I uh, know you may say, "Hey, but you've already lived abroad." But I didn't experience such a big change when moving from South America to North America, besides the language. But I think this might be the case in Southeast Asia. Also, I was wondering if Dan experienced something like this when he moved to the Netherlands and/or Australia. Also, you did get the name right. Hey. Um, I, I mean, to be honest, like I've never had a culture shock because I've only ever lived in the UK. That might mm. change next year, maybe. But like, yeah. I, I, what about you're the only person I think that can really answer this? Yeah, I mean, for most of the places that I've moved to, I've been in. There's there's been some kind of remnant of British culture there. So I was at the British school in the Netherlands. In in the Netherlands, um, funnily enough, uh, and then. Um, Australia is part of the Commonwealth, so in terms of cultures, they're they're quite similar. Yeah, um, really. I noticed there was a. I had quite a big culture shock when I I did some volunteering in Vietnam. Um, that that was pretty different. Um, likewise, we used to kind of holiday in Bali and Fiji. Um, in, in, again, incredibly different, especially from like kind of like when you see the you you're going from the airport to like the resort you're staying in, and you just drive past like shocking poverty. And part of you just be like, this is really weird. And the only way that you can almost enjoy the holiday is to try and put it out of your mind. Um, and you, you know, like you're not exposed to it when you're in the fenced off, security guarded part of the, uh, yeah, part of the yeah. place that you're in. Um, I haven't really encountered it. I'd love to, I'd re- I really, over the past couple of months, I've been really, really keen to, I want to live in America for a bit. Yeah. I've had this kind of feeling where even if it's just for maybe a year, I'd like to spend a year in America. And like somewhere really central, really busy, um, and then use that time there to like in some off time to go and actually travel around, but then also just like soak up American, just just soak up America. Yeah, um, like like, like bread I, in in dripping, like <laughs> bread in uh, in chowder. Chowder. Um, I had I had um chowder the other day, and really? I was when I was on holiday in Dorset, I had um fish chowder. I was so fucking close to yeah. being. Like, oh, can you repeat the order back? Yeah. So like, oh, and you're having the fish chowder. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Doing chowder. <laughs> chowder. Um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to go there, but I haven't really encountered like tremendous culture shock. The biggest was probably in the Netherlands, just knowing that everyone speaks a language that I don't. Um, that was pretty tough. But yeah. again, at school, everyone spoke English. So, I mean, like a new academic environment, I feel like you're all in it together, really. From the, from the yeah. perspective of starting a PhD, you're probably going to be a, like, that will help a lot. You'll have a structure that you can... In the immortal words of Zac Efron, we're all in this together. Is that from... High School, High school Musical, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've... The only film together. I've ever seen which has Zac Efron in is um, The Great Shaman. I don't think I've seen any of his other films. I, I watched also, a fair part of Baywatch. Also f- featuring a, a Hugh Jackman. Yeah. No, I do mean Hugh Jackman or a huge Yakman. Yakman, yeah. Yeah, that's an that's a important distinction. Um, uh, yeah, I watched a fair bit of Baywatch over over someone's shoulder on a plane because um, it was full of very attractive people. Every now and again, I'd just look up and it'd be like, oh, it's Alessandra Daddario, whatever her name is. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's Zac Efron, the impossibly pretty man. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry, why are we talking about Zac Efron? Um, yeah, I mean, I- I'm glad that Matthias ended up in Singapore. I think that's the right decision. And basically, yeah, yeah starting the PhD, I-, I think culturally that will help because there will probably be other people coming from all over. You will probably be known as that Peruvian guy, but you won't be the only like person from the West. 
I'm guessing. Mm. Um, so that that will probably help. I think just go with basically go with the flow. You know, follow what everyone else is doing and just you know keep your ears open. Yeah. Um, it's probably, probably embrace the, the new culture too. Embrace new yeah, new definitely. Things and like just us, get out there and see the world and amazing opportunity to travel. Like if I if I'd started a PhD in Singapore, I'd be all over the place. I'd be trying to you know uh, trying trying to travel and uh, uh, and see all the, the the nearby parts of Southeast Asia that I wouldn't otherwise get to see. I think that's yeah, amazingly yeah, exciting. Definitely. But yeah, we wish you well. Yeah. Good luck, Matthias. And now we have a fan fiction. We we didn't do this last week because we ran out a bit short of time, but we have we have we have time this time round to give proper attention to chapter three of. Uh, does this have a name? It's it's Cameron. It, it, it's the um the Mustache Man's uh, fan fiction. Uh, oh, is it the one with the the time? That's not time traveler. No, no. This is the one uh, where oh, I think you missed the last one because it was when Sally was here. Um, Ooh. So uh, it turned out we were in a game. Ooh. We were in a game all along. Uh, so uh, th- I'll read his message. Tell you what. Okay, so uh, Mustache Man writes, Konnichiwa, Simon-san, to Danyuru-san. Uh, I am hoping this email gets to you in time for recording of episode 31. So- sorry. Uh, I loved seeing Sally on episode 30, and it may be one of my favourite episodes ever. What? Oh. Thanks, mate. <laughs> okay. Though it's difficult to say since they're all freaking good. Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Say, yeah, there we go. Uh, plus, Sally ripped into me about my moustache and beard for a good five minutes. I was in hysterics. Thanks for having my back on that one, Simon. Hey, I did. It's a great moustache. Um, I'm looking forward to the t-shirt coming out just as well. They've just been ordered. And I already have the la- sticker on my laptop. Of course you do. Um, speaking of which, I had a nice conversation with a stranger on the train on the way home who asked me what the sticker was for. I explained the podcast to them and they said they would give it a listen. Ooh, there we go. Nice. This is how it works. Uh, it was nice seeing Dan in Bristol and I hope you enjoyed having me and Adam as tour guides. I've now met it both of you. It was amazing. I had a, a fantastic time. Yeah, I mean, he's a lovely guy, isn't he? Um, yeah, they're so, both uh, absolutely fab. Uh, I've now met both of you and can say you're both fantastic people and I hope I see you both again soon. Aww. That's, that's nice. Uh, anyway, as for the fan fiction, this week our two adventurers start in a new game, The Skaven Strike. It was a bit hastily written, but I like how it turned out, and I hope you're prepared for next week. Thanks, The Moustache Man. P.S. I have a nice little surprise for the Wikicast coming in the next few weeks. Ooh. I could guess what that is, but I want, to, I want it to be a surprise, so I, I, won't, I won't guess. Um, so... I think I'm right in saying that this one was inspired also by the writing prompt that we gave about the uh, the God shall decide our fate and like the, yes. the hammer. Yeah, yeah. What you missed last time was we were in a game, but also Sally yeah. suggested that if I'm going to do you with an Australian accent, I should have a West Country accent. Okay. Because neither of them are how we actually sound. Um, so here we go. Uh, this is chapter three of... Um, I'm not, I'm a not, story. A story by the Moustache Man. Oh, hang on. It says, look at the top of the Word document. Does that give you a clue as to what it was again? It's got. It's titled V-A-O-S-A-D. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Virtual Adventures of Simon and Dan. I think that there might be. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm making it that now, anyway. Uh, or Valsad. Chithra. <laughs> dot O-D-T. Simon and Dan logged into the newest Warhammer-based virtual reality massively multiplayer online role-playing game, The Skaven Strike. I bet you thought that was going to be a mouthful, didn't you, Moustache Man? Ha! A laugh in the face of your, your MMORPG terminology. Simon flicked over to his brutish cleric priest, a seven-foot monstrous half-giant with muscles much larger than Simon had in real life. As much as he claimed to go to the gym, he wasn't actually swole as he led people to believe. Hey! 
I have never claimed to be swole. I'm getting swoleer, but I had a very low starting point, all right? My stat was very low at the start of the grind. You okay? rolled, rolled poorly. I rolled poorly and I'm trying to grind, okay? But like, yeah. Not trying to be the mountain. His character adorned long, light blue robes under the large metallic plates that formed his heavy armour. He was thrust into this persona as soon as he put his VR helmet on and took a moment to appreciate the weight of the huge hammer he carried in his right hand. Then he picked up his hammer. Hey, the hammer is my penis. Uh, quotes. Have you seen D D Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most people would need two hands to carry you, he muttered to the... Sorry, let me do that asmr -y. Most people would need two hands to carry you, he muttered to the inanimate weapon. At that Weird. moment, his large four-headed friend joined him in the game. Dan was new to this game and had decided to play as a goblin mage. Yeah, gobos for the win. The height difference between him and his companion particularly amused him since he now stood at just over three foot tall. So it's just like me, really, in real life. Yeah, basically. Four foot height difference. The teamwork dynamic that the pair had had become quite effective. Dan used his magic to protect the priest from distance, shielding him and eliminating flanking threats, while Simon hammered people into the ground with very little effort, breaking up the long lines of a formation with a single swing. Dan if this failed, Dan would just run at his target and gnaw at his, their, their kneecaps yeah! until they got annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Jump on their back, like stabbing them with like a butter knife. <laughs> like, go for the eyes! Dan was often quite jealous of the sheer strength of Simon's character, but knew deep down that his magic vastly outperformed those of any arcane casters he knew of. Absolutely. The pair made their way towards the nearby elven citadel in search of a quest. They both agreed to take it relatively easy after their stressful escape in Starfleet yesterday. Nice avoiding of uh, brand names there, Mustache Man. Oh, nice. I, I don't know what on earth you could possibly be referencing. I mean, he did just start this with being the, the newest Warhammer-based virtual reality massively multiplayer online. Oh yeah, warfare. true. True, it's a bit like Belinda Blinked. Like, randomly yeah. sometimes avoiding uh, sponsorship. Yeah. They had only been walking for a few minutes, taking in the vast landscape of the rolling hills and snowy mountains in the distance, before an elderly man hobbled over towards them. Oh god, I need a new voice. Um, uh, uh, excuse me, good sirs! The old man forced out. That's not out. old enough. That's not old enough. <laughs> I've got excuse the script me. up. I'll tell you what, I'll, vo I'll voice the old man. Alright, you voice the old man. This is going to okay. get confusing. Sorry, can I have my cue line again, please? Uh, excuse me, good sir. Oh, sorry. Uh, before no, an elderly, that's my line. <laughs> before an elderly man hobbled over towards them. Excuse me, good sirs. The old man forced out. Uh, How can we help you? Dan asked politely <laughs> as he looked up at the old man. <laughs> I'm I'm looking for some help with a, a problem I've been having with some orcs nearby. Can They've been rampaging through. <laughs> Through nearby farms, and I'm afraid that that mine is next. Dan glanced at Simon. They both nodded in agreement. This was perfect. A nice little fight to get them warmed up. Nothing too stressful. Certainly, Dan confirmed. I'm sure my friend here would love to help you. Do you know where these orcs are camping out? Thank you, thank you. They hide out in a couple of miles outside of town. Head east and you should see them. And keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. We've been travelling for 40 days. Just, it's, it's just Gandalf. <laughs> it's just Gandalf. The old man sounded grateful, but Simon thought something sounded a little off. He chose to ignore it and just get on with the task. We'll get that sorted for you as soon as possible, Simon spoke, in the thick Bristolian accent that a beautiful enchantress had once cursed him with <laughs> in the early days of this game. Are you calling Sally a beautiful enchantress? 
That's wrong on two levels. Simon and Dan both agreed it would be best to attack at nightfall, give them the element of surprise, not that they particularly needed it. Instead, they decided to head to a local tavern and check out the local scene. Yeah, of course they did. It's like, oh, a pumping that, clubs I mean, to around be fair, here. That's exactly what we did when we got into Amsterdam for VidCon. We put our stuff at home and we both turned to each other and went, drink? Like, yeah, drink. Literally the first thing we did. Actually, and I got cross that they didn't serve pints. It was when uh, you, you, uh, I was on holiday, I didn't, I didn't say this, uh, in Dorset, and we were basically the group I was with split into two and we were mm. on two different sides of the street and I wanted to try and communicate to the other people like, do you want to get a drink? Um, so I just turned to them and I just did like the hot fuzz um, spray manoeuvre, like you lift your arm up and it's like, pub um, to spray and they were immediately like, yeah, just down there like, West Country code now for if you want yeah. to go to the pub, it's just like, pretend you spray yourself, anyway yeah. Simon barged through the door and shouted I'll have six flagons of your finest cider, at the barkeep he was a large fellow, after all Dan, oh, that's just for me um, yeah. Dan shuffled in after the half giant and wandered up to the scruffy man behind the bar um Oh, hang on. Uh, uh, just three flagons for him will be fine, thanks. And uh, I'll have a pint of the Doom Pole Ale. Nice. nice. Doom Pole. Like it. Dan was quite timid in his form. His height didn't do much to boost his confidence. Plus, people were a bit on edge with goblins. His aim was to try and fix that. The bartender confirmed the order with a thick Irish accent. There you go. <laughs> Over nice. to you. You can do all the ancillary voices. Sure thing. I'll bring them over. <laughs> Brian? Oh my god, Brian, you're here. The pair discussed their plans while they drank. Drank. And soon it was dusk and time to head east. They made their way through the wilderness for the east until they saw a large camp lit by torchlight. Torch me, I can't talk. They made their way through the wilderness to the east until they saw a large camp lit by torchlight. Maybe 40 or 50 orcs were able to stay there. As they approached the edge of the clearing, a horn blasted. An arrow started to land just 10 feet in front of them. Simon was right. Something had been, o- had been wrong. Shit, he said. <laughs> Shit. Uh, that old man must have tipped them off. I knew something was up. You just hear in the distance. You fuckers, I've got you now. <laughs> you should have flown, you fools. <laughs> we just Gandalf, can't. whistle for them eagles. <laughs> oh, that shadow fax, you stupid you bastard. Stupid bastard. <laughs> Anyway, uh, where are we? We just can't... Oh, sorry, it's you. We just can't catch a break, can we? Dan sighed. <laughs> I sound manic. <laughs> Everything, even in this situation where we're trying to sneak in, you, you can't do an Australian accent without shouting. Permanently wide eyes. Yeah. We just can't catch a also, break, can we? <laughs> Have you the seen intonation. the cat? Where's the cat? <laughs> the intonation and kind of like vocal line throughout your... It's always just... All the kind of the, em- the the emphasis is on the wrong bit. We just can't catch a break, can we? Like, it's like, what? 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 What's wrong? Why is everything a question? Uh, uh, oh, well, here it goes for nothing. For the Emperor! Simon screamed as he raised his hammer and charged forward into battle. Nice. And that that's the end. That's the end of the chapter. I, I, the idea of having like a West Country warrior priest is so weird. Yeah. Um, it works though, doesn't it? I like this. Could somebody write, like, as a feature... Uh, like, what's it called? Project. Could somebody do a script where, like, we actually do the lines together? I quite like that dynamic of yeah. we're, we're both reading the script, but we're both sight reading it. it. 
we can both have a uh, we can both have an accent off, which is quite fun. Yes, uh, you know, Irish, Irish is good. Uh, he you. says like probably pissing off the entirety of Ireland. Iron. Um. Anyway, no, uh, no iron. 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 What? Sorry. Hi, now, Brian Kai. Are there are there consonants in there? Anyway, uh, <laughs> we just lost a whole bunch of listeners. Um, Dan, what have we learned today? Today, Simon. Todayum. Todayum, Simon. We have learnt about chair sculpture, oh, um, a public artwork uh, currently on display uh, in the Anacostia, neighbor- Anacostia neighborhood of Washington DC, United States. What's the uh, fucking it's point? Just, it's just a big chair. It's not even as good as the other big chair, the broken chair in Geneva, and the other other big chair, the writer that was on Hampstead Teeth, isn't there because it was only temporary. Uh, again, what's Amazing. the fucking point? Honestly, of what's all the, the of all the articles we've ever had in the history of the show, that's big chairs. That's yes. got to be one of the most pointless. Waste of time. Absolute waste of time. We did, however, have a very riveting discussion about uh, the fact that merchandise has been ordered. Woo! And we're going to be starting sending those away. Uh, we've also had a chat about Infinity War. Yes, we have. Uh, and, and shared our views there. We had a really, really interesting... And, and shared our views there. Yeah, very nice. Um, a really interesting crisis corner, and we hope that the uh, the kind of our, our thoughts and opinions were were vaguely helpful, if not comforting. Um, yeah, at least, at least uh, hopefully we, we we hope we didn't do any harm. It's like the Hippocratic Oath <coughs> of the Wikicast: do good, or at least try and do no harm. That's what we yes. try and do. Yeah. And then we had um we had a short little correspondence section, and we had a fan fiction. And okay. also, do you want to, what's the update on um people who have emailed in about editing? Because we talked about that last time. Mm. So I've just actually been going through the the emails. Um, I, I've seen them. I've moved them into a separate folder on on my uh, my trusty MacBook Pro, um, and I shall be I'll be kind of reading through those and then compiling kind of a response to send back. Um, Simon and I will have a chat about how we're going to make things work. Um, we're currently scheduling some time in, hopefully this weekend for about an hour or so um, yep. to do some recording. Um, and then, as I say, you're going to get an email from from me beforehand in terms of how we're going to probably kind of manage this. How, how we'd like the 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 kind of the trial runs for editing will go but uh, sometime after sunday there will be a bulk load of footage available for you that footage will probably be sent to you via we transfer uh, but yeah. all of these details will be made clear in an email that you will receive from me uh, towards the end of uh, the end of play today the end of play yes <laughs> okay well that that's an update on that and um and yes. that, that's that's the whole episode uh that's all for this week's episode don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice you can like us on facebook and if you'd like to see our faces check out our youtube channel spongy and electric infinity war reviews your favorite sculptures and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole and, and we'll, we'll see you next, next time, time. Bye.